Hi, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of She's in Tech. I'm one of your panelists, Tracy. You can follow me on Twitter at Lady Leap, and I'm joined by two other amazing panelists. If you all want to introduce yourselves. Yeah, hi, my name is Daisy Nolan, and you can follow me on Twitter at Daisy Nolan. I'm not very creative. Hi, my name is Christina, and you can follow me on Twitter at ChristinaYU123. Probably not the most fun username either. I could have gotten Tracy Lee. I, I would have totally taken it. But there's this, like, I don't know if she's a wrestler or something, you know, <laughs> Tracy Lee. So I wish I could be that cool, but... <laughs> When I went freelance, I was still only a few years into my development career. My first contract, I was paid 60 bucks an hour. Due to feedback from my friends, I raised it to 120 bucks an hour on the next contract. And due to the podcasts I was involved in and the screencasts I had made in the past, I started getting calls from people I'd never even heard of who wanted me to do development work for them because I had done that kind of work or talked about or demonstrated that kind of work in the videos and podcasts that I was making. Within a year, I was able to more than double my freelancing rates and I had more work than I could handle. If you're thinking about freelancing or have a profitable but not busy or fulfilling freelance practice, let me show you how to do it in my Dev Heroes Accelerator. Dev Heroes aren't just people who devs admire, they're also people who deliver for clients who know, like, and trust them. Let me help you double your income and fill your slowdowns. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. So this is a brand new podcast and we decided to start it together with a bunch of other amazing women in tech because we just want to do amazing things and talk about, you know, being in tech as a female. So our first topic is going to be starting in the field and newbie tips. I think something that us we are all super passionate about, you know, maybe we can go around and maybe Christina, you can kind of talk about how you started in the field and who you are even, what do you do right now? <laughs> okay, so I'm presently a software engineer at large hedge fund in New York, but previously I was at PayPal and before that I did my own startup. So I would say that my first formal experience working as a software engineer at a large company is at PayPal and it was an excellent place for me to explore a career in software engineering. That's amazing. And are you like senior software engineer right now, a mid-level? I would say I'm a mid-level to senior software engineer. At PayPal, I got promoted, but I did start from the entry level. So I feel that I can relate to a lot of challenges of starting as a newbie. Amazing. What about you, Daisy? <laughs> yeah, so I am a software engineer as well. I got my first position at the Stott, which was an amazing position because so I was a part of their apprenticeship program and I really got to jump in and learn so much technologies in just, you know, six months. I'm now a software engineer at Trigger Mesh. Got the great honor of being their only like full-time front-end engineer. So uh, I would say I'm kind of more of a junior to mid-level. So yeah, it's pretty awesome. And I just started my coding journey back in 2019 and got my first role in 2020. So yeah, still, still new to all of this. And my journey was, oh my goodness, maybe five, six years ago or so, I learned how to code. I kind of took three weeks off. I come from a marketing background. I was doing startups. So 
you know, we were, we were writing and it was like Python, some bootstrap, you know, mostly vanilla JS. It was not very front end focused, um, our team anyways. And then, you know, I discovered JavaScript and just got really excited about it. And I just love building, especially since I feel like front end development is so visual. So ever since then, I've just been loving it and, you know, we started a company again and have <laughs> been having fun ever since. So, you know, from that story, you know, you can tell that I come from a kind of non-traditional background, I guess. You know, I I, I was in marketing and then I did a boot camp and then I, you know, just kind of had at it for myself. What about you all? Yeah, so I am a self-taught as well. So my degree was in public relations. So I had the kind of like the marketing background. I worked for a lot of nonprofits though, uh, doing marketing for them. And even though working for nonprofits was very rewarding, I just was not happy and I didn't feel passionate about it. And I wanted to make a change. I just didn't know what I wanted to do. My husband is a software engineer. And was just like, hey, you like puzzles. Coding's kind of like solving puzzles. Like, do you want to give it a try? And I honestly thought that you had to look a certain way or think a certain way to be an engineer. And at first I was just like, no, I'm not going to do that. But after some, you know, talking, you know, kind of talked it over, I decided, yeah, you know, I'll learn it. So I started learning HTML and CSS and fell in love and I decided to quit my job to focus full-time learning about yeah engineering and how to come so yeah no 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 boot camp at all so it was a big mixture of you know my husband helping me as well as like taking my uh, like classes on Udemy and reading a lot of documentation and just building websites and in learning that way wow Christina what about you that's amazing So I also do not have a CS background, but funny enough, I did some computer science classes in high school inspired by learning HTML and CSS on this uh, game called Neopets, which I was on every single day for a few years. But when I got to college, I got some terrible grades in computer science, literally got a C. So I was very discouraged in my freshman year, changed my major, and thought, okay, maybe I was just into computer games and web design, but um, I don't have much talent for this. But later on, when I did my own startup, I thought, oh, learning how to build and code is such a useful skill. Um, It looks like so much fun from the engineers on my team. I was the CEO and um, more did more of the user design and um, product design. So I also did a boot camp. And I've been taking classes after work for I, for 2018 to 2020 to brush up on my computer science understanding just for fun. And I, I found it a lot more interesting to do it that way than and appreciate it a lot more than when I was in school. Wow, that's amazing. So I guess you're, you're like self-taught, but taking classes, but more self-taught, right? than anything. I'm actually more self-taught. Yeah. If you look at the transcript, it's all over the place. <laughs> yeah. So I think us three are really good examples of, you know, you can do it. <laughs> what, what do you think, like, you know, we're talking about starting in the field today and kind of newbie tips. What, 
what do you guys want to talk about? So some of the best, like, or the best tip that I got was from my husband when I was looking at like building my portfolio and because he does um, go to those like interviews and he's on like the hiring team too. um, He told me to stand out against the competition because you are competing essentially with people that do have CS degrees, people that do have boot camps and people that are self-taught too. So that's a a lot of people and they get, you know, thousands of applicants depending on like, especially where you're applying and you want to be sure like to stand out. And there's so many times that where he's like, all I see are to-do apps and, you know, a video search app. And he's like, those are okay. And definitely like what you can learn from them, but make them your own. You don't want to, you know, do the same tutorial as this person over here. And it look exactly the same. You definitely want to make it your own and showcase like your personality. And that was the best tip. So I did take a lot of tutorials. um, And then one of the like first ones that I decided to revamp was uh, React's official tutorial. They have a tic-tac-toe app, but it was never converted to hooks. So I decided that I was going to change it to, like convert it to hooks, use hooks and, you know, add a lot of like styling and, and some like animations to show who the winner is. So like those small changes. And then when I got really comfortable, I made an app that was a, a game tracking app. I know I've told people and my husband's told people this, that we mentor and they're like, oh, if I know of a great app idea, I'm just going to make it my own startup. And we're like, no, you don't have to think of this amazing idea. Just, you know, think of something you could use every day or, you know, reinvent something and just, yeah, try to stand out that way. I love it. And now that I'm on the interviewer side, I did um, more than 20 interviews last year and I, also did some interviewing at Grace Hopper in the previous years. It does really impress me when I see links to apps that are deployed, which look very polished and nice. Of course, getting started, you need to overcome your inertia. So don't let good be the enemy of great. In terms of starting in the field, one piece of advice I got from a person who's been in tech for a bit longer was to be a sponge and try to absorb as much as possible from your workplace. There's just a lot going on, so many new tools and so on. And it's a fascinating period to be able to like get, learn new ideas and so on from everything you do. I think also this idea of learning, right? Like we have an apprentice program where we get new people and it's the people who are willing to learn and are open. So, you know, I would say in any situation you're in, right? Like even when I was fundraising for my startup, you know, my first investor, he was like, you, you, you seem coachable. And I'm like, yeah, like coach me, you know? So, you know, I think everybody around you kind of like assume that they're trying to help versus trying to prove you wrong or correct you or whatever it is, you know, like you have to be kind of like open and vulnerable, which is hard. Um, but, you know, just like take feedback and just say, okay, cool. I improved here. Okay. Look at, you know, look at this. I think a good example is like somebody, you know, 
especially in uh, remote environments, which I think a lot of people find us in right you know, ourselves in right now, it's things like, okay, um, I need you to be more active on GitHub through communication with the team. And, you know, the people who are working with you want to see that improvement immediately. And if you can show that, then, you know, they'll keep wanting to have, you know, they'll keep wanting to teach you how to improve as a developer and grow within your career versus if you take that as like, oh my God, what the hell is this person telling me to do or freak out or, you know, whatever it is, then it's going to be harder for, you know, more senior team members to like want to coach you in the future. So being coachable is a really, really big thing. And even for mentors, right? Like if you, if you go and find mentors online and you're not listening to your mentors then they probably won't want to help. Have you guys ever had like that experience before where like people like, you know, I love meeting new people in new jobs and like finding the people that, you know, are going to be your allies. And then just like, you know, I don't want to say sticking to them, but, you know, spending a lot of time and energy, you know, working with them to try to help your career. Find the allies is, is probably a good newbie tip. Have you guys been able to do that in your careers? For sure. When I think back to my main growth engines in my career, a lot of it has to do with the people I've met. For instance, I met Tracy when I was early on at PayPal and I was speaking at an event and Tracy gave me so many ideas for what I could do to improve my digital presence and career. Uh, for instance, contribute in open source, um, join cert, uh, certain Google developer, woman tech maker groups and so on. So I think seeking out advice and help from other engineers is definitely helpful. Yes, same. So I got my first start at Vistot and when I was in their apprentice program. And now that I've kind of, I I like to say graduated the apprentice program, I still talk to uh, pretty much everyone from Vistot today. Um, I love that they're so willing to help me if I have questions. And we've, you know, had this great, you know, friendship from that. And then I, like on the other side, I am a mentor as well. So my husband and I do like free mentor groups um, from people who like seek us online. And that's been like on the opposite side. Like I've learned so much about myself and about coding by helping other people. Uh, Sometimes they'll come up to me uh, with questions and I'm like, I don't really know that or I know the answer, but I don't know how to explain why. And so that's just been amazing too. Yeah, a big part of my growth too. At a lot of workplaces, there are also mentorship programs. So you can sign up and be paired with a mentor especially if you're a minority in tech, there usually are ones in tech companies. Yes, I remember my first job in tech, although it wasn't like I was, I didn't have a tech position and I was paired up with a mentor. Uh, she was like a director or something like that. And she had no idea what to do with me. She was like, you know, okay, here's this path. And I was like, let's talk about this other thing. And she's, she just like, she did give up. I mean, she did because, you know, my path was not growing within that company and she could very much see it. It just wasn't. (laughs) So 
you know, another thing that's really important as, you know, people are starting the field is to also, you know, don't let, don't, <laughs> I'll just tell a little story. So I had this boyfriend and he was in JavaScript. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, me, I'm very much like, oh my gosh, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's, let's, you know, whatever. And, you know, he would look at me and, you know, even though he would help, he would also like pat me on the head and be like, oh, it's so cute that you're learning. Right. And like, fine, you're a boyfriend, but I see guys as well in the industry do that. And, you know, as a female, we are not their pets. Like, no. So if you have something, someone doing that to you, right? Like they're, up, they're probably not your mentor, even though they want to help, like just, you know, go away. <laughs> hey folks, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been working a lot on figuring out how to help people become the most valuable developers on their teams or becoming the top 5% of developers in the field. If you're looking to level up, figure out how to contribute more, get the career you want, get the career that you want that will support the lifestyle you want, then you should check out the Most Valuable Dev Summit. I've invited some of my friends across the community, people that you've heard of, people that have worked on systems that you use on a daily basis, people who have invented new ways of doing things over the years in programming, and I've asked them one question, and that question is, how do you become a top 5% developer? How do you become 1 in 20 of the best developers out there. And so we're going to go ahead and have that conversation with them in interviews on the Most Valuable Dev Summit. And you can find that at summit.mostvaluable.dev. I've had a, so when I first started the career, my husband thought, or, you know, when I was first learning my, uh, uh, sorry, <laughs> starting my journey, my husband thought it would be a good idea to get another female mentor. And I'm not going to name the where I got this mentor but I got a female mentor and when I explained to her that I was self-taught and wanting to find a job she told me I was never going to find a job being self-taught as a female and don't let that discourage you if you have people out there even if they are you know another female or you know supposed to be your mentor like don't let that discourage you because at first it did upset me and I was like, why am I spending my time and energy doing this? But, you know, luckily I did have someone I could talk to about it at home, but just, yeah, don't let those bad experiences, you know, you're always going to have people that are going to try to tell you, you can't do something and you, you don't want to listen to them. For sure. Um, yesterday I was scrolling through this uh, woman, she's in tech forum on Facebook. And one of the posts is, was talking about uh, how sh you should respond to mansplaining. Um, and it said, one of the advice that they gave was to not to be afraid to cut the other person off. And the person is like going on and on about, hey, do you even know how to code? Do you, you want me to show you some very basic things? Then you can just interrupt them and tell them, oh, you know, I am aware of this. I'm asking you a question on this. And I, I found interrupting during meetings at an appropriate time to, and being assertive quite an important skill as a software engineer. Which can also be semi-exhausting, <laughs> you know, especially if you feel like you have to interrupt. 
but yeah, I mean, finding, finding the right allies, right? Like, you know, I remember I was preparing for this conference and I was like totally freaked out, right? Like, oh my gosh, am I going to screw this up? Am I going to screw this up? So I'm talking to one of my mentors who he had been mentor for like three years or so. And he's like, well, it's kind of unfair that you get to give this talk. And like, I'm not giving this talk. And I'm just like, it made me cry. And I like, couldn't go to the speaker dinner that, you know, the night before. And I just felt super crappy, like through the entire conference. And, you know, that was one or two years ago. It was two years ago, maybe three even. And, you know, I still remember it to this day, but you know, I mean, everybody has their own intentions. Everybody has their own experiences too. And so you just have to like take people's experiences and advice and, you know, say, okay, do I want to follow this or not? Daisy, you're that person that you were talking about probably felt like she couldn't <laughs> do what you did, you know, which is probably why she gave you that advice, but you know, power, power to anybody who overcomes that definitely. What about resources? So one of the things I've heard a lot of people ask, which is so funny because I see the resources out there, but I also don't see the resources out there. So it's finding like support groups. How on earth? And do we need to start one? <laughs> so one of the best advice I got, which was not directly related to my work, uh, when I started out was also to join Twitter. So um, on Twitter, there are actually so many helpful people who are software engineers who are glad to help others enter the field or do better in their careers. And it might be quite intimidating to just cold call somebody random on Twitter, but I've randomly reached out to women uh, leaders in tech who I've admired and surprisingly they're, you know, they do reply and people you'd be surprised at the friendships you can make on the internet. I agree 1000%. When I, I didn't have Twitter before I started this journey and I got on Twitter uh, mainly to kind of like showcase like what I've been learning. Uh, there's a hashtag 100 days of code. And even though it wasn't for me to like really showcase as much as for me to kind of use that as a, a journal and like go back and say like, what did I learn today to one, like to make sure it's stuck. But then two, I can always go back to that and be like, wow, look at how I've grown in the past, you know, six months or year. But I've, I actually reached out to Tracy on Twitter and I, you know, didn't, I didn't really know who she was and was like, Hey, like, I see you have a job opening. I have met like so many amazing people through Twitter though. And that's also where I find some of the resources that I'm always looking for. Just code in general, uh, like Kenzie Dodds has a discord channel that you can talk to about like react problems or other, you know, like react testing. And then I've found some really great like women like discord channels too. And so that's where I found all my, my resources. I tried Googling for them, but you know, some of the, they have like different names and I'm like, okay, women in tech. So there's only like just a handful that, that pop up. So it was good to use Twitter to be able to find those resources. Yeah. So following on that note about finding like women support groups on discord, I haven't tried discord, but um, in Bay Area, there's a girls geek dinner series. Now they're doing it online. 
where they feature guest speakers from different companies. They also have a networking portion. So I found those really fun and interesting to be part of. There are also, you know, classes for people who want to learn computer science from non-traditional backgrounds. I highly recommend Bradfield School of Computer Science. The schedule also works really great on top of work and sometimes work can sponsor it. It's a great way to meet other people who are on the same journey and to learn new things. Yeah, when I uh, I lived in Austin, Texas, when I first started this journey, and Austin has a really great support group. Um, and so when you if you are around, you know, one of those big towns, that's amazing. I ended up moving to Michigan, and now I live in a really small town in North Carolina. And I tried to set those up, but there was not a need in my town. And so of course, with the world, how it is right now, anyways, you couldn't meet in person. And so I think definitely like finding a community community out there in general um, is amazing. That way you can talk to the uh, people that are going through kind of like the same struggles you are. I mean, not every struggle is going to be the same, but just to talk about it and, and, you know, be able to give advice. Yeah, Kristen, I definitely, yeah, think that that's important. I would also say that you know, going to this whole, like, just reaching out to people on Twitter thing. Um, I've been doing a lot of that lately, uh, just to like meet new people and I'm like, could you spare an hour of mentorship time? You know? And sometimes those meetings are really weird and sometimes they're fine, but whatever, <laughs> you know, like, so what you want to weird first date no big deal right um it's not a first date but you guys get what I mean or or you know it's really amazing and you're like totally inspired so you kind of just have to be like YOLO a little bit and you know that's kind of how you find interesting new exciting people so yes I um the day before I messaged you Tracy I was feeling really like let down like you know, I had been applying to jobs. I applied to 200 jobs. It was like, why am I not getting any responses back? I mean, yes, I know people weren't hiring back in 2020. So, but to me, it was something's wrong with me. And I started following this one developer in like Poland and he is considered one of like, you know, the dev influencers has like millions, thousands of followers. And so he had posted, show me, your, your, your best project or your favorite project. And I'm only going to pick a handful and I'm going to retweet them. So I put one out there and he immediately retweeted. It was just like, this is brilliant. She has 100% test coverage, but just getting that, like, it wasn't like I was seeking, like, you know, I didn't think he was going to pick mine, but just hearing that I was doing something right. It, it gave me the confidence and the boost that I needed to go ahead and like, okay, let me keep applying. But so yeah, like when you find those people and then I'm actually good friends with him now. And we, we talk a lot about like gamings and things like that. So it's really funny how, yeah, you can, one interaction can, you know, change your life. And then definitely you have that contact in your pocket, right? All you need is one yes for every no you receive. That is very true. I, um, what was I going to say? I can't remember now. Oh, yes, that's right. I'll definitely echo you, Daisy. Like, I found Twitter back in 2008, and I'm kind of annoyed that I did because I was like, 
you know, had this boyfriend and he was so nice and I was doing startup and whatever. And, you know, I had my little circle, right. And then I found Twitter and on Twitter, you find everybody. And so for me, it was like, whoa, okay. You know, Guy Kawasaki, you know, spoke to me on Twitter. Like that was my first experience. He was the first person that spoke to me on Twitter who he's like, uh, I don't know. He's like CMO of Apple and Yahoo, or I don't know, something like that. But, you know, Twitter really opens your eyes. And, you know, sometimes I look back at my life and I'm like, man, if I hadn't found Twitter, I'd be happy in my little circle and my little bubble. Right. But then when you find Twitter, you kind of see this gigantic sea of opportunity that like keeps coming all the time. And you realize that you can have that opportunity and you can do all the things that everybody else online is doing. And so you're like, you know, I mean, for me, I'm always like, oh, I can do better. I can do more. I can do better. And, you know, it's this idea of what do they call it? Like little fish, big pond or big fish, little pond type deal. Right. I feel like if you're on Twitter and you're part of that community, you always feel like you're a little fish in a big pond, which is really good because then you constantly have people to learn from. So I guess one of our biggest advices is just getting on Twitter. Sorry. <laughs> there's, I've also found this on Twitter, but there's a really good diversity and tech newsletter and it tells you all the events and scholarships and conferences you can attend. I'm not a huge fan of virtual conferences compared to in-person interactions, but it's still an amazing way to meet other developers. During COVID, I haven't been able to go to any in-person events, but I've actually made the most number of internet friends I've ever made in my life. And a lot of them are like friends of friends for female engineers and so on. And we've just been talking ever since. It's great. That's amazing. Well, you know, we have a, we have a project um, to, if you go to github.com slash vampire, uh, you'll see a list of just women in tech right? Who, you know, speak at conferences, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a great place to find a list of people, but we're also creating a list in that GitHub repo for resources for women in tech. So stay tuned. It's not created just yet, but it will be really good to have that because again, I think, you know, there's so many resources that you all talk about, but they're all just, you know, where do you find them? Well, in random conversations on Twitter. Like that's useful. So hopefully that'll be useful to everybody. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood and I just launched my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. Well, we are ready for picks. So Picks is where we go around and talk about something exciting you guys found this week. So I'll go first. (laughs) I went to this Japanese grocery store and I'm in Atlanta now. And this grocery store was really in a really weird place. I didn't, you like basically go down to this basement and my husband's like, where are we even going? And it was, it was really weird. But anyways, I found this candy. Well, I thought it was candy, but it was actually fish collagen. 
So it's, it's like fish collagen, but it's um, grape flavored. And so I bought it not knowing what it was. And it was like these little packets of like jelly, basically, but fish collagen. I don't know. It was weird, but it was fun. I've eaten the whole bag. If you ever find it and, you know, candy looking things are labeled fish collagen, I guess it's also good for your, good for your skin. So I, I really like gadgets. And the Roomba and Brava from iRobot has been life-changing in the year of COVID. For the first six months of COVID, I found myself mopping and vacuuming an inordinate amount just from working from home and cooking a lot. So there's always food crumbs all over the floor. But this Roomba robot, it's amazing. You can control it with an app, just let it run, and then it picks up all the dust. It's a little bit loud, so it could affect work from home, but it's great when you have, you're like cooking anyway, or you're out of the house on a grocery run. And BravaJet is its mop component where it automatically hydrates the cloth or Swiffer swipe. So instead of me using a Swiffer, it does it even more effectively because it keeps on hydrating it. And it's a little bit more patient and extensive than I am. That's okay. cool. That does sound cool. I'm like, tell me what that is because I need that. <laughs> well, Daisy, you have two dogs, right? I do. I have a yeah. Siberian Husky, so a lot of hair. And then I have a Staffordshire Terrier. Um, and she's more short hair, but she probably sheds more than a Husky. So yes, find myself sweeping nonstop. And if we don't, we get these like tumbleweeds of hair like yeah. floating around. So yeah, I'm like, that sounds life-changing. You need to get the Roomba. I cannot believe you don't have one. It's it's the best for pet hair. I'm just worried because we have two stories. So I'm like, do I have to like gate the top story so she doesn't fall off? I'm, I'm gonna call it a she. My mom has a Roomba and she named it Myrtle. So <laughs> that's why I'm like, oh, I don't want her to fall down. I, I don't know if people name theirs, but my mom did. So <laughs> yeah, um, I don't have anything, I guess, as fun as what I found. So um, with all of COVID, I'm trying not to watch as much TV, but my husband and I have been gaming a lot. And of course, Bridgerton came on Netflix and everyone went wild about it. So I watched it. It was great. So I got in this mood of like, huh, I want to read about like more of like those like time pieces, right? So I got all of Jane Austen's like the complete works. And so I've been reading Pride and Prejudice. And that was one of those books that I've always wanted to read but kind of didn't because it's written in what, like the 1700s. I'm like, am I going to be able to understand it? It's absolutely amazing. Well beyond her time. If y'all love to read and y'all liked Bridgerton, go out there and get that book. It's amazing. I mean, it is thick. Um, I've got one that's like 400 pages, but the words are super tiny, but yeah, it's, it's brilliant. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for joining the first She's in Tech podcast. Stay tuned and we will see you next week. But until then, you can follow myself again on Twitter at Lady Leet. Want to go, Daisy? Oh, yes. Uh, sorry. Thank you. Uh, you can follow me at Daisy Nolan. And I'm Christina at, so my Twitter handle is Christina YU123. Thank you. <laughs> see you all next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. 
Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.